Jeez. Oh, I do not. Oh, I don't feel so good. Oh, why did you give my job to the German guy again? Welcome back to Motorsport 101. put up with the, the, the insufferable intro and the insufferable man from baseball series. Hey guys, Dre here. Welcome back to episode 272 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighbor, Dre Harrison. And in this edition of the show, we are going to be talking all about... Uh, there's a line in my script here through Germany. It says it's the Eiffel Grand Prix, apparently, because we can't call it Germany. Thanks, Hockenheim. Um, with me, as per always, smug as a motherfucker. Oh, sorry, King, bleep machine. Um, <laughs> RJ O'Connell, you insufferable bastard. Hey, um, That's another you know bleep. <laughs> you know, but, you know, and, um, if, if you're ever baking, if you're ever making sauces, uh, or just, uh, if, if you're just cooking in general... It's it's a good idea to just mix things up a little bit. You you gotta mix it up. Look, I'm enjoying the one win we have so far this series. I the know one. It's a very important one. I, I <sighs> Meanwhile, mean, I, I am of the mind that I don't want to see guys like Clayton Kershaw retire without a ring, and this generation of Los Angeles Dodgers is too good to go down as the best team never to win a championship. Just not at my team's expense, please! Yes, at your team's expense, for freak's sake! Mm. It's not my fault you guys are fun, really good, and likable. It's really annoying. Like, ugh. Uh. Anyway, Ryan King, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, uh, L.A. Dons are finally, uh, well, repeating what normally happens, because uh, never forget what happened to Brooklyn. Never forget. Uh, of course. But yeah, I'm glad that L.A. Dons is going through their struggles right now. So so when are you buying one of these new Brooklyn Nets tie-dye jerseys? <laughs> never. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think we should ask him about the Dutch national team coaching job. Nah, yeah, nah, yeah, I'm, clearly. I'm looking, I'm looking for that New York Knicks coaching job. I, I feel like I'm. No, looking. you're not. No, <laughs> no. What? no. Nobody wants these what? problems. What? Oh, it's 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 an own thing. I, what can I say? What can I say? Cam, how you doing down there, sir? I'm doing great from the dark corner of my room because it's dark outside and my light really isn't. Well laid out for podcast lighting, but that's okay. Um, Invest in a ring light; it saves you one. Look at my look at my glowing face. It's or or all of you thinking that I have the money to invest, or you could do what I'll I do. I'll buy you one. Or you could do what I do and just turn the screen brightness all the way up. Wow, that's a fucking hack. <laughs> that's that that is quite the fucking... life hack. Do you have a fucking floodlight as your backlight for your computer? Jesus Christ. Pretty much. <laughs> Good. Lord. Let, me, let me try this here. Let me try this. No, 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 uh, no. What, uh, this is on low. Let, let me turn the brightness all the way up. What? What is happening on this podcast intro this week? Am I invisible in this pink shirt? Like, <sighs> So while my colleagues here all of a sudden turn their contrast settings to 105 out of 100, 
I'll get into the main points of the show, which is this week is talking about the Eiffel Grand Prix and the, shall we say, newsworthy events that came through it, because there was a lot to get through there. Also, we'll be talking a little bit of uh, news off the track, rumours about 2021, uh, a possible new Brazilian Grand Prix, which, well, everybody disliked that, except Bolsonaro, apparently, and some IndyCar silly season craziness as well, because uh, there's been a big reshuffle down at the Arrow McLaren team that's certainly worth talking about as well. Um, but in the meantime, basically you can find this real quick while I try and find my sanity. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Uh, if you're watching this on there, hi. Why not subscribe, hit the bell, all that good stuff. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter. Our handles are on the screen. Our podcast Twitter is at Motorsport underscore 101. Um, if you're listening to us on audio, it's at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at cbuckley 917 um, we're on Instagram now as well at Motorsport101Pod you can find us on there look for the giant purple logo and we're on Patreon if you like to back us financially over there you can at patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101 $5 gets you early access to all the audio versions of our show upgrade to $10 for the video version as well as getting the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they're being recorded you can find all the details and so much more on that on uh, our website, motorsport101.com. So, without further ado, let's get in to the Eiffel GP. Oh boy, we get to have another GOAT debate. I'm sure we haven't had enough of these between basketball and Formula One social media. <laughs> no, we haven't had enough of those this week. It's also a lifetime, clearly. One, yeah, two, two GOAT debates got spicier on the same day. You know what we don't miss about F1? FP1 and 2 being washed out by a bad case of rain and fog, ruining the F1 debut appearances of Mick Schumacher and Canna Mylot. Sorry, boys, your practice session is in another Grand Prix. Oh. One of the biggest stories of the weekend happened before we even started FP3, as Lance Stroll had gotten ill overnight. Thankfully, not COVID-related. Probably. Still, fresh out of the pastry shop and into the fire, Nico Hulkenberg was back and just in time for qualifying. He'd start from the back after just four push laps on Saturday afternoon. Bottas would end up on pole with Hamilton and Verstappen close behind and Charles Leclerc fourth for Ferrari. So, race goes green and Hamilton gets the better launch and tries the old Rosberg trick of running your man clean off the road. Only this time, Bottas held firm, took the apex for two and held the early lead. Meanwhile, Daniel Ricciardo got around the outside of Charles Leclerc and into third. Fast forward to lap 13 and Valtteri Bottas suffers a horrendous lockup into turn one, leading to Lewis Hamilton taking the lead around the outside of two, as Bottas suddenly had a 20 pence piece for a front right tyre. Further back, George Russell suffered broken suspension after Kimi Raikkonen clattered into the side of his Williams in a three-way fight between them and Sebastian Vettel. Raikkonen would be hit with a 10-second time penalty for causing a collision. More disaster four laps later as Daniel Kvyat overshot the final chicane, trying to defend from Alex Albon, but then the tie closed the door too quickly into the final corner, taking the Russian's front wing off the car. Five-second time penalty for Alex. He would later retire as part of the debris ended up in his radiator. Next up, the power unit struggle subsection. Lap 19 had Valtteri Bottas's battery die on him, leading to a forced retirement. Lando Norris, was, too, was struggling with his power unit with no deployment in his MG UK. He'd eventually park it on lap 44 due to overheating. Lando took a deck chair for his Fernando Alonso meme moment. 
This brought out a late safety car and forced most of the field onto the soft running tyres they didn't run on Friday. Except for Grosjean. Hipster. The race became an 11 lap sprint after Max Verstappen spent 5 minutes moaning on the radio about how cold his tyres were. And Hamilton took off with another monster restart and didn't really look back. Ricardo tried a big lunge for second, but couldn't get there. Perez countered with an attack on the Honey Badger for third, but couldn't pass him either. And that was the end of the major action. Lewis Hamilton coming over the line for his record tie in 91st career Grand Prix victory with the great Michael Schumacher. Verstappen took another gutsy second with the fastest lap of the race on the final lap. And Daniel Ricciardo finished third, scoring Renault's first podium finish since Nick Heinfeld at Malaysia 2011. A deserved honourable mention too for the Hulkster for a sensational 8th place finish from the back of the field on just 30 hours notice. One of the drives of his career. As it pertains to the championship standings, uh, we're done here, folks. Lewis Hamilton leads with 230 points to Valtteri Bottas' 161. He leads Max Verstappen by 12 points on 149 points. Then the battle for fourth place. Daniel Ricciardo jumps up to fourth with 78 points. Sergio Perez is fifth on 68 points. Lando Norris has 65. Albon has 64. Leclerc has 63 the aforementioned and absent Lance Stroll has 57, and Pierre Gasly still 10th on 53 points. In the Constructors' Championship, Mercedes-Benz lead 391 points to Red Bulls to 11, Racing Point are on 120, McLaren on 116, Renault have 114. This battle for third is really getting intense. Ferrari have 80 points, Alfa Torre 67, Alfa Romeo 5, Haas 3, and Williams still at 0. But... Moment of the race, Lewis Hamilton ties the record. He reaches the unreachable star. And what a great moment it was to have Mick Schumacher present Lewis with one of Michael's old helmets after the race. That that just brings a damn tear to your eye. I, I don't care who you are. It, it, I feel I'm actually quite jealous of Lewis Hamilton's helmet collection because like the Senna family gave him one of his when he broke the pole record at Canada a few years ago, and now he's got one of Michael's now too. Jammy Giss. <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, it, it, it was a very wholesome moment. It was. Uh, I'm glad they got Mick in for something after his free practice session got rained off. Um, it's like, yeah, Mick, well, while you're here for the weekend, you know, uh, you mind getting the present out? <laughs> there you go. Um, it was It was great. Great image. You know, powerful moment, all sorts of awesome. And look, I I may I I've made this joke um earlier on the week about you know I used the how it started and how it's going meme to describe it. Where I was I I said on our old race world TV video that Schumacher's ninety one wins would never be beaten, and uh, I called it the most unbreakable F one record of all time. And uh, whoops, um, <laughs> didn't think that would happen, but. Uh, Hey, that's what uh, seven years of winning ten a year does to you, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's um, very special moment. Uh, I liken it to uh, remember when Cal Ripken Jr. Uh, broke tied and broke Lou Gehrig's record of consecutive games played. It felt like that. It felt like a record that would never be touched, and yet here he is. He's tied the record. And within the next handful of rounds, can easily beat it. Hell, he could beat it next week for all we know. Yeah, and uh, 
And the only real shame for me is, of course, Michael isn't in a state where he could have presented the helmet himself. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Um, and, uh, of course, we're always thinking about him. Absolutely. But, yeah. The, um... One of the... As Michael very famously said, records are there to be broken. <laughs> and this one is tied. We... Michael and Lewis have a lot of things in common for Formula One drivers, especially. They came from comparatively working class backgrounds. Uh, both of them have taken a lot of their time and their wealth and their influence to uh, to better society for, for good. Uh, they have not always been the most likable of champions, depending on who you ask. Uh, no. But they are still... In my opinion, the they, two greatest drivers of the modern era, and nothing yeah. will take that away from them. Yeah, and I think it's also uh, a point that will become more poignant later on in the episode. Both drivers are products of driver academies. Mm-hmm. They are indeed. They are indeed. One for Mercedes and one for McLaren. Hey, who said these driving academies don't work out every once in a while, right? <laughs> um, even, when they, even when they start over in sports cars. I know the transition. It's great. He doesn't love it, and yeah, of course, keep fighting, Michael. We miss you, brother. And uh, it's it's still not quite the same without you down there. But he, I remember as far back as two thousand and I think it was two thousand and twelve. He was saying the records were meant to be broken. I think, and um, he's always been one of those dudes that's completely embraced like not like the modern generation of guys like Hamilton and Vettel, and you know easily you know the two other big hitters of this era sorry fernando well um, i mean <laughs> i i think he knew in a way not specifically who it was gonna be but it was inevitable uh you know f1 being a sport of dominance if you win you're gonna win a lot and even mm. during michael's time in the sport the calendar just kept getting longer and longer like it yeah. It was a matter of time that someone was going to break the yeah. record. I didn't think it was going to be this soon, but it was a matter of time. Yeah, a record like this, uh, especially in a sport like Formula One, when a team goes on a run like this with as many races added to the calendar, it was a matter of time. Just like yeah. the record amount of championships. Eventually, if someone goes on a long enough run, those records will fall. Absolutely. And I don't want to take too much away from what Michael accomplished in his time either, because let's not forget, he took the all-time wins record back in 2001 and nearly doubled it by the time his first career at Ferrari ended, while he was in the, while he was just starting his run of five in a row at Ferrari. Yeah. I mean, that is impressive to add another 40% to the all-time wins record, even more so that Lewis Hamilton is just tied it. Kind of what, like, you know what Babe Ruth did in baseball, how, you know, the that famous idiom that Ruth was an Everest in Kansas. Like, like Schumacher might not have the record anymore, but his impact on the record is immeasurable. Yeah, he uh, yeah. rewrote every measure he rewrote every record in the book, and not just by uh not just by a small margin, but by an order of magnitude. Yeah. I will always ironically be very- doing doing a lot of that damage arguably after his prime yeah. because of the yeah. run at Ferrari. Yeah. I will say that 
I was very fortunate to have watched Michael Schumacher race, although I wasn't his biggest fan at the time. I have a greater appreciation for what he has done now, and I cert- and I have a great deal of appreciation for what Lewis Hamilton means to this sport, to motorsport in general. Um, I am very proud to say that, uh, and I'm sure all of us are, that we got to watch the absolute best of Lewis Hamilton uh, in our times. And I hope that we can tell these stories for our, for our children, grandchildren, nephews, nieces, whoever may come for generations to come. Yeah. Also, damn, Nico Hulkenberg from 20th on the grid to finish 8th. Hulking back. Yeah. Welcome back to Hybrid Boogaloo, everybody. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, I'm Lance, sipping a coffee. Lance, yeah, like, as a, like, Hulkenberg was having a coffee where he gets a phone call saying, Lance, Stroll, Lance Stroll's fallen ill overnight. How fast can you get to the ring? And a couple about- of hours later. <laughs> He's about a couple three of hours, hours like, away, and and Otmar Otmar Safnar calls his phone. Hey, you up? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, I was having a coffee and cologne, but guess I'm free. <laughs> I wonder if his yeah. buddy was just like, hey, where did Nico go? He pops on the television. It's like that slime motherfucker got out of going to get a coffee. He's like, drive a car around. Uh, this is this is really impressive, and it's made this whole Red Bull deal. Uh, because this was not one of Alexander Albon's finer drives, and now no, we're starting up the um, rumors that Hulkenberg's going to be plugged into that Red Bull seat. After Helmut yeah. Marko said, look, Albon's the only guy that can match Verstappen's pace when he's on. Yeah. The problem yeah, is um, that he's not been on enough. When's he done that? Well, and um, this weekend, this weekend Red Bull brought a a lot of updates, a very different car. And it was so different that Albon, I think for the first time this year, was actually put on the same spec of cars Verstappen with a brand new tub. Yep. They, this, it was a complete paper, reset. Yeah, complete reset for both cars and gotten quite a bit closer to Mercedes. But on on paper, this should have been Albon's best weekend of the year. Instead, it might it was, have been his worst. Yeah, I'll say it was, it was arguably Albon's worst weekend of the year. He was slow in qualifying. His racecraft was very <laughs> sloppy. He didn't have a particularly large amount of pace. And to top it all off, he takes out his he takes out his sister car's front wing completely needlessly. Like it was, um, it was pretty. It was fortunately good for Albon that. He took some gravel to his radiator, so he was forced to retire. Oh boy! Yeah, <laughs> it, it was. It was that was a mercy. Previous, previously to this weekend, I've been I've been very willing to give Albon the benefit of the doubt. We know how Red mm. Bull is. If they could enter one car, they would. Mm. But this was brutal for yeah. him. Yeah, I I said it on Twitter during the race. I, I, I literally tweeted something along the lines of Albon is getting harder to defend even before that DNF. And yeah, it, it's it's it that was the f- and this is this is going to sound a bit harsh, but bear with me here. This sounded or looked to me for the first time as if Albon looked out of his depth in that car. Yeah. And and um, the thing is like the thing is with like a lot of Formula One drivers, you always have 
we we don't have that what if they made a different career decision. We have that for Albon. Yeah. He gave up a seat in Formula E for this, where it's like, hey, mm, a factory seat. Oliver Rowland won a race in that won, won a race in that car in what could have been Alex Albon's seat. Yeah, yeah. and Roland and Roland was what top three in the championship this year in Formula E. So yeah. you know. He walked away from a really good factory former seat in a series that will become a world championship next year. Um, <clears throat> so this is not looking good. And you know, it's like, honestly, I looked at it as a bad situation when Helmut Marco openly said on the record he's considering breaking Red Bull's longtime policy of basically academy and umbrella drivers only. Yeah. To bring in Nico Hulkenberg? Yeah. The guy that we don't. They haven't done this since before they were actually good. They haven't done this since they had a lineup of Weber and Coulthard, who were very much not Red Bull Academy prospects. Yeah. Like, yeah. The last time they did this, they didn't really have an academy. No. Right. It's either Hulkenberg or it's Sergio Perez, I've seen. It was a. uh, The last time they did this, it was a blue Jaguar. (laughs) Yeah consider that so and i mean last year uh gasly got the false vote of confidence albon isn't even getting that you know that's but the thing is the thing though he was until about a week ago yeah and this weekend seems to whatever stock he had at red bull seems to have gone out the window and it's a shame because we know that Albon is better than what he showed last weekend. Absolutely. But this was this is bad. He is a great guy. He is a very nice character, refreshing breath of fresh air in the form of He's, a, he's a very likable driver. He really is. No one no one can take that from him, but to an extent you have to make your own luck right now. And mm-hmm. he really didn't do himself any favors. And it's going to be even harder now that Yuki Tsunoda is firmly entrenched in that picture. He is getting his first test in Imola. Yeah. It might be a whole lot harder if Red Bull leaves the whole sport. They're not leaving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nah. Don't we did, that. We didn't More even, on that we, later. Like, honestly, we didn't even put the, the latest Red Bull quit story in the set list because we thought... Nah. <laughs> well, this but, is this is an interesting one because I'll quickly go over it. TLDR, yeah. Red Bull their first option right now is to purchase Honda's IP at the end of 2021 so they can run and maintain the Honda designed engines. Now, this isn't really viable if you want to stay competitive. Hi Williams in 1997. No. Unless there is an engine freeze. And right now... That's what Red Bull are lobbying for. Red Bull are lobbying for it. In fact, three of the engine manufacturers are theoretically on board. Yeah, and there's... Guess who isn't? Oh, man. But, like, to have an engine freeze at this point when... Well, that's what's already on the table right now is an engine update at the end of this year, an engine update Mm -hmm. at the end of 2021, and then that's it. Then a freeze for for four years. Yeah, four-year engine freeze. It reminds it, it me of last year's Viet era. It has its own problems, as 2014 very openly proved. But uh, yeah, you can you can guess which engine manufacturer isn't doing too good right now and doesn't want an engine freeze. For could it be the Prancing Horse by any chance? 
Uh, uh, I think the prancing donkey would be more accurate. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just find it amazing that we're talking about the the, the pinnacle of motorsports and engineering in in racing, talking about a four year engine freeze. <laughs> like, I just, I just find how, that amazing. How, how does that was the engine freeze in the V eight era? <laughs> Harsh on donkeys, though. Oh, was it, no, it was uh, the engine freeze was. 09 to 2013. Yeah, that was the last time we had it. They let Renault develop. Yeah, they let Renault develop, and like, they introduced Kurs, which was not subject to the freeze, if they were to freeze the entire power unit for four years. This is a whole different ballgame. Yes, it is. And it, it, it feels like Renault and Red Bull are okay with becoming a partnership again, but none of them wants to make the, neither of them want to make the first move. Because well, it, to be fair, I don't think Cyril wanted guy. that tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, the tattoos happening, people! Oh, Finally, yeah, for those guys that for those guys that don't know the story, uh, Cyril Abitable had a bet with Daniel Ricardo that if Ricardo managed to get on the podium this season. Cyril would have to get a, a tattoo of Ricardo's choice somewhere on his person. Well, guess who just had the team's first podium in nearly a decade? Or five <laughs> years. Come on down. What your definition of a team is. Congratulations, Renault. You're now finally where you should have been in 2018 on the podium. Uh, you did it. Let's give him that. Yeah, I, Let's I, be I, nice. Yeah, Let's be I nice. I bet my life on it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, King King bet potassium poisoning. <laughs> oh shit! That's what I, I forgot to get the bananas at the grocery store. King, King, next year that blueberry pie to the face is inching ever closer. I know they might get a win. Wow. Yeah, um, Renault. Fair play. The last few races, they they're they've made big strides, and yeah. Danny Rick did the work. This is and no longer was, a surprise. Like, yeah, it's, like, like Renault in the top five is now happening frequently. Like in the yeah. in the battle well, of the midfielders or just like the guys just below the Danny big Rick. Three. Danny Rick yeah. in the top five, because Esteban Ocon's been having a time. Yeah. yeah, he's he's been middle of the road. But you look at the situation right now, it's like as RJ alluded to when he read the constructors' standings down, it's now fiercely between McLaren, Racing Point, and Renault for third in the constructors' championship, which is three big teams, money. Six points: Racing Point, yeah. McLaren, and Renault. And now everybody's starting to talk about did Daniel Ricciardo have buyer's remorse when he got himself out that Red Bull deal? Well, excuse me, that Renault deal. Which, honestly, with the way Renault's with the way Renault's projecting right now, I I almost would agree. But you gotta Renault's remember, Renault's got their shit together. Yeah. But when he made the decision, Renault stunk. But you also gotta remember, twenty twenty one, the return of McLaren Mercedes. Yeah. Right. Even exactly. so, McLaren, McLaren got one good car out of this <laughs> new infrastructure because this year's car is all over the damn place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, Carlos Sainz still... described his race as 60 laps of suffering. And he still finished fifth. <laughs> Where would Lando Norris have been if his power unit didn't crap out and he didn't have to Probably have his third. own death chair meme? Yeah. Potentially third. 
He was right in the thick of it between Checo and Ricardo for a possible podium <coughs> finish after Bottas's retirement. And before he becomes a meme, Lando was running top five, you know, and Sainz had a miserable race and still finished in fifth. Yeah. I still don't know how good McLaren actually is. It's really frustrating, given that we were like two thirds of the way through the year. But, but uh, here we are, you know, Lando yeah. becomes a meme. Um, he's streaming as we speak. And uh, shout out to both their drivers for racing special helmets this weekend in... Uh, in a tribute to Mind, the mental health charity. That was a great touch. You may remember I, um, I did a campaign with a certain book to, to raise money for their charity as well. A lot of people have done like running efforts as well. So if you can support Mind, it's a great charity. Please do. Um, so shout out to McLaren for that. That was awesome um, in general. But yeah, we have a heated fight in the wild up to now. Nicknamed the Battle for the Bronze between uh, Racing Point uh, Renault and How does and it McLaren. feel to be the bronze medal? <laughs> How about this fight for fourth in the driver's standings? Ricardo, Sergio Perez. Sergio Perez had another great race and another example of how that's going to be a tough loss if indeed this is his last year in Formula 1. Uh, Norris is still in it. For all that shit we've been talking about Alex Albon about five minutes ago, he's still in this. Leclerc He's still in, in a this. fucking Red Bull, Arjun. Yeah, Red Bull. look where his teammates at. His teammate has two and a half times his point total. Oh, yeah, man. like this is we, we joke about other drivers losing to their teammate. Jesus Christ! They I'm just reading, I'm reading off the names that are on the top ten of the list. RJ, I'm okay. a Sebastian Vettel fan, and I feel bad for Alex Albon right now. Jesus, oh, <laughs> like Alex Albon should be comfortably on at least eighty points. Yeah. How yeah. does he only have sixty four? How is he behind Lando? Like, how how is he only like seven ahead of Lance Stroll who missed the Grand Prix? Like Jesus! And, and if we look at last year with Gasly and how he was doing relative to Max, he was closer to Max than this. Yeah. Gasly's only eleven points behind him. The this point is, is not good. It's, it's to be a fair. Gasly did win a race this year. Yeah. That did happen. Yeah, that's that counts for counts. That, yeah, that counts for most of his points. It's going to be a close battle for fourth in the Drivers' Championship. It's going to be a close battle for third in the Constructors, assuming nothing weird happens with the next handful of races. By the way, Romain Grosjean finally getting on the board Back in the points. Finally. Finally. With what may or may not have been a broken finger. Yeah. <sighs> Apparently, uh, it, it was just a bruise. Like, all reports say he was fine oh, after the race. Uh, I was going to yeah, say, it couldn't um, have been that bad if he was seen in the pub after the Grand Prix carrying two points for the two points he scored by finishing in ninth place. Uh, <laughs> he did go well but, here last time we were here, back in 2013. Grabbed a podium for Lotus. Yeah, he did. That was a great dogfight. Him, Kimi Raikkonen, and Sebastian Vettel, who were pretty much glued wheel to wheel for 60 laps. Uh, that was a, That was a... That was a tense race, um, certainly. But yes, went well on to Grosjean there in ninth. Uh, great job in the Haas car there. And yeah, they, I actually kind of feel a bit bad for Haas because it's like the one time they scored points when they, which they badly needed in their own fight for eighth. Who was tenth? Antonio Giovinazzi yeah. scoring for only the second time this season. Gio had a point in tenth. Great drive from Antonio Giovinazzi. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's a shame because you kind of get the feeling like 
They're finally starting to get it together, and it's just not going to matter because it seems like they're already got getting one foot pushed out the door. Yeah. Yeah. For, it's... for Giovinazzi, it's an easy pick. It looks like it's going to be Mick Schumacher for 2021. For mm-hmm. Haas, it could be anybody from Schwartzman to Mazepin to fucking, I don't know. Cole Custer. No. Absolutely. No, not Cole oh. Custer. Fine, fine, the, Kevin yeah. Harvick. Yeah, the joke, the, the 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 line that got people talking about this on the Thursday going into the weekend was uh, the fact that Gunther Steiner has a uh, semi-regular column he posts at the Redacted, and uh, he openly admitted that he has a short list of ten drivers for the two Haas seats in 2021, and that uh, the guy that was meant to be driving an FP1 that weekend, Callum Eilat, currently runner-up in the Formula 2 Championship standings at the moment, was not on that shortlist, but said, hey, he might be, depending on how FP1 goes. He said, quote, definitely won't be if he bins the car. Um, (laughs) And the uh, internet exploded. (laughs) The internet exploded with so many takes. How dare he not have Callum Eilat on his short list? (laughs) To which my my point was on Twitter at the time was, if there's a 10-person short list, including your two current drivers, how high up the bar do you think Callum Eilat is meant to be here? And if you're not in the top three or four, does it really matter if you're not on a list of ten? You're not getting the seat anyway. <laughs> like, like, like I've said it before. Grosjean, Magnussen, Holkenberg, Perez. Yeah. Can anybody come up with an argument to put Eilat over any of those four dudes? And the big nope. rumour is that uh, there's a chance that one of one or maybe two of the seats might be filled by one or two Russian drivers. Right, because Sh- Schwartzman and Mazepin, who, by the way, shoved his fucking foot in his mouth on social media oh, during George Russell's Jesus Instagram Christ. stories. That was bad, but... What a bonehead. God. Yeah, but Schwartzman and Mazepin... Uh, and I guess an all-Russian Haas team. I mean, that wouldn't be the worst thing, but yeah, you have experienced hands available, including two or in your own team, and it's not necessarily their fault that this team is bad. I, I, I myself, judging by his past comments, I think Grosjean's out of there of his own accord at the end of this year. Yeah, yeah, I but, think he and, wants sports cars. Yeah, I think he wants... Somewhere where he isn't in... Um, not quite scoring points purgatory all year. Mm. And Formula E uh, would give you a great fit. I would love to see Grosjean and Effie. Hold mm. your crashing jokes. Pipe down in the peanut gallery. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't pick Ilot over. I mean, Hulkenberg is showing off this year in his two races because the first race he didn't get to take part. Where's uh, the, where was this great. Hulkenberg last year? Right? Um, uh, he was doing pretty good, other than getting told to give the place to Daniel Ricardo every two races. <laughs> Funny <laughs> how Ricardo that works. Was going to be mediocre. Look, Hulkenberg's stock has not been this high since 2013. Like, and that... that I still can't get over how popular the man has become on Twitter just for filling in. Like, yeah. he has become Hulk like the new chunk... It's like he's the new Charles Leclerc just for showing up and doing his job. It's like, oh my god, Hulkenberg's back! Whoa! Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I'll say it before I say it again. Can't miss somebody till they're gone, and Hulkenberg was gone. <laughs> I, I don't think he ever should have been dropped. 
No, I don't think so either. I said I always said it was a harsh sacking, but even so, you guys didn't give a shit about Hulkenberg last year. Like, like, like come on. But uh, no, it, it, I do find it funny that's how it's turned out, and now he's become like one of F1's biggest memes for the year of Hulkenberg running back through the paddock when he finds out his COVID test is negative. He, oh <laughs> yeah, like, fun, fun fact as well. His helmet was uh, at home, so he had to grab a spare Renault helmet he, from last year. He, yeah, you have to grab the old black and yellow Hulk helmet. I was like, that's uh, that's hilarious. It's like, oh, dear, 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 dear. This, this um, man is a bag of lemon and strawberry starbursts. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Very good. Um, no. But yeah, and uh, Perez, uh, pretty self-explanatory. Perez has been great. He's number one on the board. I don't. I'd like. How, how is he not number one on the board? He's still only twenty nine. Yeah. He's got nearly two hundred Grand Prix under his belt, and he's been the best midfielder in the sport for half a decade. Like, well, like, I kind of have to talk about it, the big elephant in the room. Uh, you know, Sergio Perez's biggest backer, Telmex, owned by one of the richest people in the world, Carlos Slim, has a billionaire feud with one Gene Haas over the oh, sacking. Oh, we... uh, man, oh, the hate sex on. is going to be wonderful. Over the sacking oh. of not... <laughs> over the sacking Are of you? not one, but two other drivers. Would that man, what are king, what, king, king. Yes. Now, the, 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 king, why are you pissing on this bonfire, huh? Huh? Hey, <laughs> hey, having so, a good time. Uh, in summary... <laughs> In summary, uh, Magnuson, Hulkenberg, Haas 2021, all aboard the... Well, we can't really call it hype train now, can we? Yeah, if I had to say, I'd probably... My gut says uh, Hulkenberg, Schwartzman next year at Haas. Do you think they drop mags? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I would just... I am... Uh, honestly, something just came to mind. I, I keep thinking about a, a certain uh, post-race uh, media pen quip. If we were to get Magnuson and Hulkenberg together on the same team, <laughs> I would love to have like a five-minute spiel about that. Um, so are we digging up these suck my balls, honey t-shirts out of retirement? Like, like Dyson the Vacuum? Fan drew up. Dyson <laughs> Vacuum, Spalding Balls. End of discussion. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like before, we, like before we move on, like a couple, couple of minor points I want to address. Uh, are we done here, championship wise? Because that was like yeah. the peak we're out of here. Asgore we're done. Break. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. It, stamp it and get on the plane. Yep. Au revoir, Valtteri. It was fun in 2020. <laughs> was it fun? <laughs> I don't think it was very fun. Can I just say I missed the Nurburgring Grand Prix Streck as an F1 venue. Get more money, Nurburgring. We need this back. It's a great track. Yep. Open an OnlyFans account. Like, do something. Like, honestly, because like, <laughs> what they even we, post? We, we... <laughs> I I showed you my carousel. Please respond. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I know. I know a way that we can monetize all. <laughs> we can monetize all these YouTube corner rats. <sighs> Could you imagine, though, like, people paying for the privilege to just ascend their car into the gravel at YouTube Corner? I, th I think this is sustainable. I'm sorry. I'm gone. I'm just... That's like the second time in two months that I've just killed Drake. I put the hoe in Dot and Jerhoa. Oh, no, stop! Stop! 
Very good. You can flute I'm my class pa- any day. I, I, oh my god! <laughs> somewhere, support, somewhere supporter of M101, Sasha, is sharpening a thousand axes. I'm tapping out. I'm tapping yeah, out. Let's, uh, let's move on to more yeah. serious concept. Yeah, because... Uh, Where? On this show? <laughs> like, well, oh. yeah, this is something that we promised to talk about last week because it was revealed a couple weeks ago and it's been in plans for since 2019 that uh, Brazilian Brazil's far-right president, Jair Bolsonaro, wants, a, wants the Brazilian Grand Prix to move and he wants it to move to his hometown of Rio de Janeiro on a brand new purpose-built track in the Deodoro uh, region. This is a disused military base. Um, he wants it to have 130,000 spectators compared to 60,000 at Autodromo Jose Carlos Pache, a.k.a. Interlago Circuit in Sao Paulo. Uh, apparently a deal was done. There are renderings of the track released. And oh, by the way, this is going to fell about 70,000 trees in the Brazilian rainforest, which is, uh, if you know anything about Jair Bolsonaro, he is big on, you know, expanding industry at the expense of, you know, the endangered rainforest. On well, top of that are many unpopular decisions. So I think we need to break a lot of things down here. Number one, it is technically a rainforest, but it's not the, like, Amazon rainforest. It is yeah. in the middle of a city. Um mm-hmm. So, reason why it's a rainforest is because, again, it's a disused military base. Yeah. It doesn't look like that from, like, the satellite footage, but it used to be a testing range, and there's a lot of unexploded munitions on that site. Oh, ooh. <laughs> oh so, uh, so this can be, like... This could be like the race against Deathborn in F-Zero-GX, where you're avoiding bombs. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> F-Zero-GX deserve better in the time at Stan Tournament. God damn it. Damn you, Need for Speed fanboys. Though, but, uh, though all mm. things considered, hey, maybe it shouldn't be converted from a military base into a racetrack. Maybe it'd be a nice park. Uh, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Of it all is a- the racetracks on this planet... Why are we trying to replace Interlagos? Seriously. Because... I know there are a lot of people of privilege, including people in automobile racing, that were all big on Jair Bolsonaro because he's the guy who's going to clear out all the corruption. And I'm thinking, if taking the Formula One Grand Prix away from Interlagos isn't what gets them to open their eyes and realize that this guy might be full of shit, I don't know what will. Because the thing is that it's important to note that Rio is his hometown, and oh yeah, uh, it would cost a lot of a lot of government funds would be needed to spend to clear out the unexploded munitions, build this new track from scratch, and you know you'd assume that a certain somebody from their own hometown has a lot of business connections, maybe knows some contractors who'd like some government small work. government, yeah, yeah, big small government guy. Got got love. This is it, corrupt. To me, Corrupt it like it's Metroid Prime 3. To me, it's less no. about deforestation. It's more about, hey, time for some high-level graft. Yeah, uh, is, let's throw some money at this and see what happens, basically. Yeah, like, you know, you know it sounds more like a vanity project from Bolsonaro. It, is. it absolutely I, I saw, is. It's big, yeah. it's big Boy Daddy Bolsonaro wants a home track in his own backyard. No. I think that, that, uh, I think Bolsonaro should simply shut his cock holster. Yeah, and like obviously, like a lot of Brazilians who are local to Rio and are 
like involved in racing want this to happen because their prior racetrack in Rio is no longer there. Well, yeah, of course, because... you know, there's a there's there's always going to be a level of that. You always want a racetrack in your hometown. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but to replace Interlagos, one of the most beloved tracks on this planet, and you know, have to clear out a bunch of unexploded yeah. munitions. Yeah. Felling uh, 70,000 trees is not a good look. Lewis Hamilton has already said, you know, my personal opinion is that the world doesn't need a new circuit. I think there's plenty of circuits in the world that are great. I love Interlagos. I've been to Rio and it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, but it's not something that he personally supports. And I don't think anybody with any sense in this fandom actually does. Look, Rio had a wonderful track that they tore down to put up Olympic venues that have since gone to become white elephants. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fucking wasteful. And from the renderings, at least, I don't know what, I don't, nothing looks inspiring. Like, yeah, you're going to have twice the capacity. You say you're going to have less crime than you do at Sao Paulo. I don't know for sure. Yeah. You can have all these concerts and other events here, but yeah, is it, it worth it? it? Like the, I think you put it really well, RJ. It's wasteful. Yeah. That's the, the like word. the track itself looks like Moscow raceway South. It's, it looks so generic as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it looks yeah. like, it looks like insert generic tilkadrome here. Is it, we have Bahrain at home. The Bahrain at home. Harsh on Bahrain, to be honest. Oh. Yeah, because Bahrain, uh, Bahrain at least produces good racing. This looks just yeah. This looks meh. uninspiring. Yeah, it just that. And, and of course, the new greener, carbon neutral, environmentally friendly F one. Well, they ran. Their tails wag into this contract. Yeah. I think this was like, I think, didn't this come out like immediately after the news that Chase Carey was stepping down and Stefano Domenicali was taking over next year? Yeah. So I think this might have been one of, the last, one of the last Chase Carey deals that he greenlighted. I mean, man, we appreciate the mustache, but dude, what the fuck? <laughs> dollar, dollar uh, bill. Yeah, like, stand, races stand one by is the not- fucking. You're going like, to sell yourself on these principles. Fucking stand by them. Yeah, We Races 1 is not as important as well. I like to call shiny hood ornament syndrome, and that's exactly what this is from Formula 1, because oh, there yeah. was never a good reason to go away from Interlagos, and this is just a complete vanity project by a megalomaniac president who, you know, wants to swing his dick around like a helicopter and have a Grand Prix in his own backyard, which no one asked for, and... The only people that want this are people that are going to directly benefit from it. It's like when the Washington football team hired a bunch of dudes to to defend themselves from their awful culture. It's awful, and I hate it. Like, stop. Um, Well, if he swings his dick around enough places, he might get COVID for, what is it, the fifth time? Sixth, seventh. Eighth. Good God. Yeah, let's talk about about next year's schedule. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, like... I was going to say, like, one more he gets a free whole chicken at Nando's. But anyway. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, like, like uh, shout out to a friend of the show, Jenny Gow, who put out there as well that it's looking like we're going to get 23 Grand Prix. Jordan! In F1. It, yeah. <sighs> Fuck's sake. Um, 23 Grand Prix. <laughs> that, in 20- that, isn't, <laughs> that isn't the most recent 23 to win a ring. 
Uh, yay! Anyway, um, yeah, 23 Grand Prix, and it's looking like we could be getting a Grand Prix in Saudi Arabia. Yes. Because if F1 were to you know, go on a, on a moral high ground trend for the last week or so, why not have a Grand Prix in Saudi Arabia? I'll get people talking. I, just, uh, I, think, I think they're just doing their best tribute to Kobe by taking We Races 1 and its principles, crumpling it up, and shooting it into the trash. I mean, Dre, haven't you seen any of the trackside advertising this season? Oh my um, uh, uh, maybe. The, um, the, the <laughs> big green and blue boards, did you miss them? Aramco, yeah. Um, yeah. This, all this made me do was think about that concept rendering where this F1 track is apparently going to be part of an amusement park. There's a 92 Ferrari racing against a 97 Stewart at the same time as contemporary cars, and there's a roller coaster that goes to nowhere, which I think is a perfect this sounds metaphor. like for having a this roller like coaster. I think over the roller again. coaster that goes to nowhere is a perfect metaphor for the 92 Ferrari. Well, uh... That track isn't happening, by the way. Oh, it, it, so this it, is different. It's looking like we're going to get a nice street race in the beautiful resort city of Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Woo. And the crowd goes mild. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't um, think it's an incorrect my- take to say that, like, you know, there are... There are racing fans in Saudi Arabia that want nothing to do with the kingdom's bullshit. Um, And who are we to deprive them of racing, considering all the other places that we race in are not necessarily looking so hot. But there are other China. Does anyone else remember the 2011 Bahrain Grand Prix? Neither do I. I Yeah, because it didn't happen. So, yeah. yeah. Pretty much where I usually draw the line on these things is... If the race, if the race promoter is the government itself, that's why mm. I can ah. be feel somewhat comfortable with having a United States Grand Prix because yeah. it's not oh, really? it's not organized <laughs> by the federal government. Uh, it's just a bunch of rich dudes who are like, yeah, let's build this racetrack in Austin. Yeah, no, because if because if Donald Trump was in charge of sanctioning the U.S. Grand Prix, he would ask for certainty of the Americas to be torn down so he could rebuild the Meadowlands circuit in his backyard. Oh no! <laughs> uh, you, you know how annoying you know how annoyingly believable that actually sounds right now. I, That's I, the part that it. made me sick. Oh, is that I could God. see him doing that. Also, Jesus oh, Christ, we're back to twenty three Grand Prix rounds. I mean, I knew this was going to happen, but damn. This Hashtag, is overkill. Burn. Hashtag burnout. Hold the paradise. Yeah. This, 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 is, this, this is overkill. 20, 23 is ridiculous. We're going to be racing for nine months of a year. Like, yeah. like this is... I mean, there are, like, there are already testing ways to get around it. Next race at Imola is going to be a two-day race weekend. Oh, yeah. And we haven't this even is, considered this, this the is, possibility. This is... This is not other podcasts advertised in red, okay? <laughs> I am not going to sit here and endorse two-day weekends, which have had no proven effect to improve the racing, just because Verstappen won that one time at Silverstone. No, no, hey, no. Hey, guys! D- it's not about entertainment, Dre. It's about logistics. Yeah. Yeah. It's about, it is less load on the teams. Theoretically, you'd go through less components during the year. Theoretically. Yeah. Um, and at the same time as well, I, I know they had talked in the past of 
grouping more races together so it's less of a less of a burden Traveled to go on. across the, the fucking yeah. globe. Yeah. But, less planes and all that. Yeah. And you know, short by shortening the race that. weekend, you get a you get an extra off day during the week. You do. Yeah, that's nice. Look if it's for that reason, I can I could I could get behind it. It's the only reason I can get behind it because I do have a level of empathy for look the drivers to a degree, of course, will be in the main vocal point of the sport. But there's a lot of people on the ground floor that that has to come together to make this happen. Working hundred hour weeks often are on the road for three weeks at a time, especially this year in a, in a climate where there's been a lot of triple headers. Um, two wheels and four in the middle of one right now in MotoGP. We're, we're going to have another one in Formula One next weekend when Portimao rolls around. Um, it's hard. It is hard. It is a lot. And I, I, I know stories about people that have had to cancel weddings because of. And this was last year before we had COVID about canceling weddings because races got rearranged and you know, they couldn't guarantee summer breaks off. And it's a lot. And. 23 Grand Prix, even purely from an entertainment standpoint. That just sounds like too many to me. It's it's like I know that Chase won like this big legacy when he first took over the sport before he stood down was that he wanted every race to feel like a Super Bowl. If he, I think he wanted that NASCAR style calendar of more Grand Prix, more events. Everything is bigger, you know. Very American, but but Dre, but you you yeah. you're somewhat aware of NASCAR. You know, every race of NASCAR does not feel like a Super Bowl. Oh, it does no. not feel like the Super Bowl. The big difference, as well, is NASCAR is national. Formula One is international. Exactly, and when you run it's in not a series. It's not crossing borders. It's a lot easier to put a, to cram a lot of rounds together, especially when a lot of I mean, places and teams are based in one place. To put it in perspective, NASCAR runs thirty six uh, races a year, and it's only gonna be they run for much of the year every single week. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. All within the contingent United States. Yeah. And look, so yeah. Long story short, 23 Grand Prix. No official calendar yet. I spoke to Jenny about it real quick. Apparently, we're about three or four weeks away from an official 2021 calendar dropping. But people in the know say that it's looking like 23 Grand Prix starting March 14th next year with the Australian Grand Prix back in its usual slot. Um, Those you have to consider as well. That calendar is also going to have to be fluid for reasons I don't think I have to explain. The, the, the Rona, maybe? Yeah, the um, Rona. Who knows? I, I think, think it's gonna go on pretty for. much the same reason why next year's IndyCar calendar is, let me check my notes, 17 races long. Because yeah. I, I think that there are cancellations baked in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Contingency plans and whatnot. Um, yeah, of course, and they, they kind of have to be, really, in that sense. Speaking of IndyCar, before oh, we get out of town here. Boy, this popped up. And well, we, before we get into the big stuff, like Antonio Felix Acosta tested for Ray Hall Litterman Lanigan Racing. I don't know if that's going to lead to anything, but that's still pretty cool that he got to do that. Cool. Yep. Very cool. Good to, good to have Bobby and good to have Bobby as a mate and all those BMW meetings and whatnot. It's very cool. Uh, this is you know. not what we're talking about. No. Oh no. No, no, no. This was this was this was a clangor. I think it dropped um on Monday Monday night where out of nowhere 
uh, Arrow, McLaren, Schmidt-Peterson put out a statement saying that if Oliver Askew is fit, he will race in the final race of this season at St. Petersburg next weekend. But that will be his final race for the team. He's gone at the end of the year. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait a minute! Yep. <laughs> Like, that was a genuine shock to the IndyCar community. And um, it looks like the alleged reasoning behind it is something we've got to go back to Indianapolis with with the 500 and the incident that Askew had there. And it seems that the concussion story had kind of taken a turn for the worst. Now, I'm trying to piece this together best I can. Help me out here, King. But it seems like Askew's management was trying to hide the fact that Askew may or may not have had symptoms around that sort of time. So, basically, Askew hid that he had concussion-like symptoms. It's not Mm. specifically clear why he hid them. His agent claims that the team were forcing him the race and that he was the one who convinced Oliver Askew to seek medical treatment for his symptoms. Uh, oh, boy. Obviously, Errol McLaren, Smith-Peterson, did not like the fact that this agent went out there claiming that they were forcing Askew to race. Wow, so for the second year in a row, Errol McLaren SP has another messy and somewhat unpopular driver sacking. Yeah. It- and I think it's I think it's kind of ironic that Zoe, who who's listening in, brought up this point earlier in the week. I believe they have the same agent as well. Yes, they do, they do. have the same agent. They're managed <laughs> they're managed by the same <laughs> sports management agency, Spire, who also own a NASCAR team. Famously own a NASCAR team. Owners of Zombie Furniture Row. Yes. Uh because they were also involved in a lawsuit in NASCAR because one of the drivers, they managed two drivers in NASCAR, one who's, uh, one, Kyle Larson, uh, oh, uh, another driver that they had, uh, sued, sued them because, uh, Spire conspired with, uh, with Chip Ganassi. Conspire. <laughs> they conspired <laughs> with with Chip Ganassi Racing for this driver to lose his personal sponsorship with DC Solar, and then that sponsorship be transferred to Kyle Larson's 42 at Chip Ganassi. And that all worked out wonderfully. Oh yeah, because DC DC Solar, totally upstanding company, best company. Not a Ponzi scheme! Totally. Look, it, it's not a Ponzi scheme. It's an upside down pizza slice scheme. Anyway, but yes, um, <laughs> as you can tell by all these stories that we just went through, uh, Spire, can we trust them? I don't know. No. <laughs> I no. Somehow no. I'm going to go with a no. And the loser out of this is Oliver Askew, yep. who seems like he is out on his ass, but in the immediate aftermath of him. And spam parting ways. It was just like, well, who's going to get the number seven car? Is it going to be Sergio Perez? Is it going to be? Is it going to be Ryan King? I mean, he's wearing the orange. Yeah, I'm ready Maybe to go. That's why he's Come on, orange. Zach, call me up. I have my phone right is... here. <laughs> 
No, like I, I like Mr. O'Connell to my right even alluded to the possibility that it might have been Helio Castro Neves maybe for one last farewell tour. Yeah. Um, after he got the seat to fill in for the Harvest Grand Prix, but but no. none of us were right. No, it was a it Felix was another it, Rosen <laughs> quick King Felix out of nowhere, uh, like hits him with an RKO and says, "I'm taking this seat," and. uh Apparently, according to Jenna Fryer on Twitter, Chip did not know this was coming. Um, <laughs> it seems like Felix had an option for next season on his contract, and Felix is like, nope, I'm out of here. <laughs> well, uh, uh, I, when the, the first person you have to beat is your teammate, and your teammate is, oh, oh, it's that guy. It's that guy. So that's, that's Scott been Dixon. That has been a running theme since Dario Franchitti was forced into retirement from injuries. Let's be real here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, do you really want to be teammates to Scott Dixon? Like in in the long run, you probably don't. Jimmy Johnson and... apparently does. Well, Jimmy Johnson mm. is also a legendary driver in his own right. I think he wants to smoke. <laughs> yeah, it's like bring it on. I'll take Dixon on, right? And Felix, understandably, probably had the thought of, I'm never going to win a championship with this team given Scott Dixon is there, and we all know where Chip's bread is buttered, you know, one of the best IndyCar drivers of all time, um, as it is, why not go to a good team on the rise, a team that's shown great potential, that has a man who's top five in the championship right now in Pado Award, brackets, he's staying, don't don't worry, Pado is that, fine, uh, close that, brackets. That's, so, <laughs> that's what was so shocking about this, is that this team mm. was blown up last year in the name of the youth movement. Yeah, Felix Rosenquist is still young. Yeah, he's still young, ish. youngish. In IndyCar terms, he's it, young. It, yeah, well, yeah. in Indy in IndyCar terms, you can still run until you're fucking fifty and still be good. Yeah, but uh, Rosenquist just, is, Rosenquist is twenty nine next month. Mm. Like, I didn't even think he was that old. He's middle of the road for 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 for, for ages at this point. He's twenty nine on, on November seventh. But that's why this was um, so shocking is that they. After one year where Askew pre-concussion was holding his own and keeping Pato Award, yeah. and the hype is real behind Pato, mm-hmm. um, very honest. And this whole situation just, it's really a shame for Askew, and I hope that if he can recover to what he was earlier mm-hmm. this season, along mm. with just being able to recover in everyday life, because... According to according to sources, he had really nasty symptoms. Oh yeah, he got his bell well and truly wrong. Uh, mm. Hopefully, he can find another seat next year because he's he's hit the hype behind him was equally justified. And his talent is real. He is mm-hmm. smart beyond his years. He provides the sort of feedback to teams that a guy who's been around for ten to fifteen years would provide. So I think he is still a very valuable asset to any team. Hell, Ganassi, Andretti, if you're out there and need another driver. This now leaves a very coveted seat open because we have a seat open at Ganassi. Number Number 10 car is now available. That's a damn good seat on paper. Who the heck could end up over there? Like... Any guesses? Like I'm all I'm case. all for Elio Castor Neves and Ganassi for the ultimate curse timeline. Oh no, no, we can't <laughs> end the show. We can't do this anymore. <laughs> What's wrong with you? 
<laughs> Imagine telling someone 15 years ago, yeah, Elio Castroneves at Ganassi. Man. No! Everyone Man, on the champ car and IRL side would laugh at you. Man, oh. King, I've got to say in all honesty, this is more cursed than the side we saw a two-pound block of cheddar cheese being shoved up. The <laughs> no! Hey, I'm just going to let everyone know here that I am a PNC Bank member. Uh, Chip, you know, I went to school in Pittsburgh. Uh <laughs> Oh, I, I, I hear they need an oval specialist to, uh, you know to balance what, out the races on Jimmy's schedule. <laughs> well, you know what, King? Maybe you should learn how to enter a fucking pit lane. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa. whoa. You heard whoa. what I said. You heard what whoa. I said. Whoa. There's only going to be one way to settle this, and that's when Cam builds his own computer and gets his rig set up. It's something gentlemen. that will never, ever happen. Gentlemen, <laughs> gentlemen, put the handbags away, please. <laughs> God. Can, can I end uh, the show now before you guys all get into an enormous fist fight? Like, is that okay? Is that is that, is that doable? Yeah. yeah Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Right. Good idea. Okay. <laughs> all right, and that'll do it for episode two seventy two of Motorsport one hundred one. Uh, oh, big weekend of motorsport this weekend. Obviously, MotoGP. Like, I said, it's a bike special this weekend. Uh, what are you talking uh, about? <laughs> Yes, yeah, I mean, it've already happened by the time this goes up, most likely. But who cares? It's fun anyway to speculate. No, we got MotoGP. <laughs> you got MotoGP. We have the Bathurst 1000. We have Petit Le Mans. All stuff I don't normally watch. All anyway, Petit Le Mans, no longer featuring the Motorsport 101 crew. Oh. We'll be back one of these days. We, we never promise. left the burn down IHOP. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I, I, we're gonna that. write a we're gonna write a book on the experience breaking yeah, bread at a burned down IHOP featuring as David Land. As as you do, as you do. <laughs> as mentioned, Penny the Morn as well. Bar the bar first one thousand is this weekend. Everybody gets home safe on that one. Big MotoGP weekend at Aragon. We'll talk about it on next week's show. But minus one doctor who actually needed a doctor. More on that on next week's show, oh. because uh, the sport's biggest name got the Rona. More on that next week. But uh, all of that, World Superbike season finale in Estoril this weekend. Scott Redden fastest so far in practice. That could be interesting as well. But places you can find us in the meantime are on youtube.com, forward motorsport 101. Uh, subscribe if you haven't already, if you're watching us on there. If, if, if you're on listening to us on audio, head over there, youtube.com, forward motorsport 101. Subscribe. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Our handles on the screen right now at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, at CBuckley917. We're on Instagram at Motorsport 101 Pod. Check us out on there as well. We'll promise we'll have some content in the next couple of weeks. We've pretty much got up to speed, so we're going to start phase 3.5 pretty soon, hopefully. We'll, start, we'll beat our heads together in the think tank. So oh, God, we'll we are now the kingdom hearts of podcasts. Oh, we're on patreon.com slash motorsport101 if you'd like to fund us on there. Five dollars gets you access to all our audio shows, ten for the video versions and the supporters club access where you can listen to these shows live as they're being recorded. Shout out to Jason and Zoe for joining us as always. Thank you very much for listening in. We'll be back next week for a MotoGP slash World Superbike special coming from Aragon. But, and we'll probably mention Bar First and Petit Le Mans in there as well. But until next time, I've been Andre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell. 
Screw the Braves. That's been and Cam Buckley. Uh, thank you very much for watching or listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. What news story are you going to miss by a day this time? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case <laughs> of bat suit <laughs> 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 Ha 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 ha!